This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, this year... We lost two of Ireland's great musicians, singers, songwriters that were world-class and that made it in the world. And one has to say, both of them, Sinead O'Connor and Shane McGowan, died too young. Sinead died in July. She was 56. And Shane died recently. He was 65. And to discuss their work and their contribution to music. We're joined now by B.P. Fallon. B.P. is the great historian of (laughs) rock music, you might say, one of the greatest in terms of knowledge of the music of the people. He went with the Beatles and John Lennon long ago and Yoko when they were doing their bed in. And he is the person with the most knowledge and the most appreciation. Thank it's you. a pleasure to welcome Beep to the stand. Beep, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, Eamon, thank you very much, and thank for your words. The cheque will be in the post. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and of course Christmas is always a time when we reflect anyway, and in the case of Shane McGowan, who we'll talk about first, if that's okay with you. He sure. was, in fact, born on Christmas Day in 1957. Yeah, Christmas Day. Yes, and he was born, I think, to London Irish parents. And I know you were at his funeral recently. He was what they call a punk, I suppose. I remember punk, and in fact, it radicalized me in some ways. I thought, if they can do it, I'll do it. And I did a, uh, I did a bit of it. Well. But he was one of music's greats in many ways, wasn't he? Oh, no question about it. I mean, you know, you have all these sort of plaudits appear when people go celestial, when they go on ahead of us and everyone's saying how absolutely wonderful they are. And, of course, yesterday was, or what, Friday, was the most fantastic turnout from Michael D. Higgins, the great president that we have, to a whole bunch of skifflers and some really very moving uh, folk from Nina themselves who were standing outside yes. the church. And, Chile. Um, What's kind of forgotten is that people used to see Shane as some sort of irreversible loony 
and and they just talked about his teeth mainly. Yes, you know, um, and then it's just interesting to me how the rebels uh, become not necessarily the establishment. Shane would never be establishment, but they are lauded by the establishment. Yeah, they're originally by the establishment when they're dead. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cockeyed, but it's good. It's good. I mean, it's wonderful that people care, you know. Yes. And I've never been. I've never been at such a fun funeral. Yes, they gave him a great send off. <laughs> it wasn't morbid, or you know, uh, and there was a whole bunch of interesting people there making music or or, or, or speechifying. You know, uh, you had like Michael D. Higgins, Johnny Depp, Nick Cave. Various Pogues, Imelda May, Glenn Hansard, Lisa O'Neill, Glenn and her did a wonderful fairy tale of New York yes. uh, with people dancing. Uh, Liam Amwanli, Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream, John Sheehan from the Dubliners, um, Colin, the fiddle player who used to be in the frames, is fantastic. Aidan Gillen, the actor. Yes. And um, I was sitting at the side of the, the, the altar. Uh, and there was all this handshaking going on, and people were coming up and saying very nice things. Uh, and another hand came out, and the voice said, BP Fallon. So I shook the hand, and I looked up, and I realized I had just shaken hands with Jerry Adams. <laughs> well, well done. Weird, weird scenes inside the gold mine. <laughs> Send that man down uh. immediately. Let me ask you about Shane and his journey as a musician and indeed as a person, because it was impossible to separate the two in some ways. He was a punk. He came. Well, you see, when you sorry to interrupt you, but when you use the word punk. Uh, a lot of people would think it's derisory. Oh, no. Uh, it, it's not. I mean, in the essence of punk, one could argue very solidly that the Dubliners were a punk group. Yes. Why? Because they did whatever the heck they wanted to do. Uh, and if people liked it, fine. And if they didn't like it, fine. They were having fun. Yes. You know, uh, and they had a sort of a uniform, the beards, uh, and they were very dressed, well-dressed, smart, you know. Uh, but they did it their way, and that's what Shane did. He did it his way. Yes, and it was born really in London, was it? Uh, I think he was born in Kent, I forget. But the family moved back to Tipperary at one point, and he spent a lot of his childhood there, uh, reading books with his father uh, and soaking up all kinds of music. And then later on down the line, he worked in Ted Carroll's Rock on record store in Camden Town in London. Yes. Uh, the song, the place that's name checked in the Tim Dizzy song, The Rocker. Uh, and Shane worked there in Ted's shop uh, and made 110% use of the opportunity to listen to all kinds of music. Yes. Uh, and then down the line, uh, I had this traveling rock and roll party, Death Disco, uh, and Shane. Uh, on several occasions DJ'd with us in, in Dublin and in Belfast and an incredible uh, bunch of music from Led Zeppelin to Margaret Barry to the Royal Show Band Do the Hucklebug, you know. Yes, and he and that group of people, Johnny Rotten was another person. What is the significance of that sort of movement, Beep, 
that came along, I think, in the 70s. Was it late 70s? Well, punk had been going on ever since Gene Vincent, really. Right. Um, but, you know, because he wasn't exactly mannerly, um, but he was brilliant. Um, the, the sort of so-called punk thing started happening in England in 1976. Yes. But before that, there'd been the Stooges out of Detroit and the MC5 out of Detroit. Uh, and at the time, people thought they were dreadful. Uh, and then all the punks realized they were incredible. Uh, and they were very influenced by that, by that speedy, take-no-prisoners stuff. Uh, I, for instance, brought down Led Zeppelin to the Roxy Club in Covent Garden, which was the, the bosom of, of the, this thing, punk, that had just started. Uh, and the Damned were playing. And the Led Zeppelin chaps, you know, Jimmy and Robert and Bonzo, they really loved it because they realized that what the guys on stage were doing, the Damned, playing so-called punk music, was really what they did when they were starting, which is, in other words, get up on a stage and do your best to make a noise, you know, whether it's twanging or shouting or banging a drum or whatever, you know. Yes. Uh, and it's the passion and the soul, not necessarily the skill, you know. Yes, and I was reading about Shane's music and the songs he'd written, and the most, I suppose, the, the best-known or remembered one at the moment by people like me is Fairy Tale of New York, which he recorded with Kirsty McCall and is, of course, a favourite Christmas song now. But there was much more than that. But let's start with, with that. It was a classic. Kirsty McCall, his father was Ewan McCall. Who wrote Dirty Old Town, you know. Yes, indeed. Another song, I think, the chain recorded yes. successfully. Yes. How much of a musician, songwriter... Was he? How much songwriter, how much musician? How much borrower of something, some other person's work, reworking it and making it his, his own, really? Uh, in terms of musician, I, if you're talking about instruments, he, could, he had the ability to get a sound out of pretty anything, you know, piano or guitar. I mean, I remember him playing uh, electric sitar at Rack Studios, Mickey Mouse Studios, where Steve Lillywhite, the producer, was producing them, and he deserves 100 medals. Uh, and Shane was wailing away on this electric sitar, and I've never heard anyone play electric sitar as well as when they're on acid as Shane McGowan. Yes. Kirsty McCall was married to Steve Lillywhite. Yes. I remember from my brief encounter with you too, she was a very nice woman. A very indeed. nice woman. Did he enjoy the fame and celebrity of that song and the sort of the fact that it's lasted so long it is a beautiful song it's marvelous it is it's an it's an incredible song i mean even stuff like the band of the nypd choir is singing go away back yes there is no nypd choir yes or, or there wasn't until about a few months ago some policemen made the nydb thingy choir and they've recorded Galway Bay. Right. Again, it's <laughs> will the circle be unbroken. It's just you know, like a snowball going down the hill getting bigger and bigger. Yes, and just on a personal level, clearly you knew him and you were around that scene. I encountered him a few times early in my life, earlier, when I was staying out all night and right. would sometimes meet him. I found him to be 
a very gentle person. Shy. And a very funny. And he used to point at me saying, Dumpy. <laughs> and, yeah. But in a, in a very endearing yes. way. He wasn't in any way threatening or, or violent or anything other than entirely pleasant. Yes. You asked about the songs. Yes. Uh, there's all this stuff about what is a poem and what is a lyric. Yes. For instance, Bebopalula. Now, if you don't understand that, you don't really get what rock and roll is all about. You know. Yes. Uh, there's a difference between writing poems and writing lyrics. Right. So Bebopalula is a lyric. Um, but I think Shane traversed that. I think he was both. I mean, I used to sit beside this chappy, bless his heart, and look at him and think, my God, this chap writes these incredible songs. Yes. You know, uh, and you think he's not taking anything in, but he is all the time. Yes. You know? A Rainy Night in Soho. Amazing. was the song he wrote, which is quite beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, the canon of songs that are behind are fantastic, left behind. Uh, and he's also got an album of songs with the Conan brothers, who were very dear friends of his over the years, uh, and in fact played at um, the, the after party, I suppose you could call it, after the, the uh, mass the other day. Yes. The, and um, I actually got up and had a, a warble and twitch with them. Uh, and the bass player, uh, was Shan Bradley, who was in the nips with Shane McGowan, which was his first group. So again, it's all circles, you know. It's incredible. Yes, the nips was that derived from nipples, didn't it? The nipple erectors. The nipple erectors. <laughs> yeah. Erectors, yes. In that world of Irish singer-songwriters, as last week's sad, tragically early, funeral was taking place. It was interesting to wonder where he will fit in the sort of landscape of great Irish musicians and songwriters in Europe. Well I don't think I don't think he'll fit anywhere, which is actually the whole purpose of it. Right. You know yes, to I be do. different and to be unique and to be yourself rather than a you know, a sort of jelly baby coming out of the factory. Yes. You know, that's, that's the problem with the record industry or what used to be the record industry. These idiotic people trying to get a band to sound like U2 or like the Rolling Stone or whatever it might be, right? Yes. And that's not what you want. You want someone who doesn't sound like anyone else who sounds like them, you know. And then they say, oh, well, we don't know what box to put it in, you know. Yes. I was talking to a guy at Island Records when Gavin Friday, who's enormously talented, was with them. And he said, oh, we don't know what box to put him in. Yes. Uh, you know, I said, there is, that's the whole point, you idiot. You yes. know. Yes, indeed. Will he be remembered primarily for that one song, Fairy Tale of New York, by the general public, but people like you who are steeped in the culture, in the, in the music scene, will remember the whole body of work? There's a song like... A pair of brown eyes, which or was haunted, a, was a yeah the Pogues. That was when he was with the Pogues. He was the front man in a way, wasn't he? But did, did they boot him out at one stage? They did, yeah. Why? Uh, because he wasn't really um, functioning yeah. as well as yeah. you needed to be to be the lead singer 
because he always used to say, I'm a band leader. That's what I do. And it's a dance band. Yes, right. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it was a lot of the time. I mean, the first time I saw them, I went to see them because my dear friend Frank Murray, God bless him. Yes, and mine too. I, I remember Frank very well. Uh, who'd worked with Phil and Phil Linus and all of that. He he told me, he said, I've got this band that, that, um, that I'm really interested in. I started managing them and Elvis Costello might, uh, is on the cards to produce their next album. So I thought, well, there's two big pluses. I got to check these chaps out. So I went down to Carlo where they were playing, uh, and it was Benign Bedlam. Yes. Uh, and what I took away with me was that the wonderful Spider Stacy, the fiddle, the whistle player, would bang a tray on his head with such ferocity that there'd be a dent in the tray rather than in his head. Yes. And because of all the sort of everyone going bonkers, I couldn't get the lyrics. But when I sat down, you know, and listened to them, I just thought this is just extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, straight away, I thought it was extraordinary. Uh, and then I had a, a radio show on RTE um, called the BP Fallon Orchestra. Yes. Uh, and the idea was that whoever was in the program, they, it was their music kind of thing. Uh, and the early Pogues, we had them on um, and with an audience. Uh, and it was called the RTE guy said, the BPFO presents the Pogues talking to 40 people, brackets, often at the same time, close brackets. <laughs> so yes. it all went very well. And then it sort of got heated when this uh, concertina player, Noel Hill said something along the lines of, ye are, ye are an abortion of Irish music, you know. Yes. Uh, and it got pretty heated, and it got into the papers. So it was their sort of Bill Grundy moment, I think, you know. Do you remember right. that idiot Bill I Grundy? I do, yeah. He used to be on ITV. Yeah, he, and he goaded the Sex Pistols into saying fuck on the television, you know. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> Gives the guy a medal, you know. Yes. Um and it was kind of the Pogues Bill Grundy moment because it was a sort of controversial thing. And what it did is it got them into the newspapers as a news story rather than just records and music, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that helped very much in getting them to be a household name here. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, I sincerely hope that if there's a heaven, that chain will be there now. I want to talk to you now about another great singer-songwriter that we lost this year, Sinead O'Connor. Sinead died in July. She was just 56. And she was, almost as much as Shane was, a singular person. There was no one else like her. She'd probably be remembered by most people for her voice, but she also wrote songs. Tell me about your memories of her. She'd also be remembered, Eamon, though, for her social consciousness and yes. the fact that she, she followed through on it. Yes. And some people would say she ruined her career for, for the truth. Yes. But the fact is, she was really only a pop singer by default. She was a protest singer. Songs yes. like Black Boys on Mopeds. Um, and she didn't really care about all the sort of bullshit that goes on, you know. Yes. The glad, the glad handing and bloody blah, blah. Um, and wanted to do it on her own terms. I mean, for instance, the first record, and she's, what, 19 or 18 or whatever it was, uh, is produced by this very well-respected producer who has a good track record. Sinead didn't like it. So she went into Ensign, the record company, and said to Nigel Grange, uh, I don't like it, and I want to produce it myself. And fair play to him, he let this girl... Miss Twinkly Eye, go and produce her first album herself. And it's fantastic. Yes. Troy, my God, you know. Uh, you know, I, I met her at a party for the Pogues on St. Patrick's Day in 1986. Uh, and when she came by and played me what was to become the first record, and I heard Troy, the, the first LP, and I heard Troy and I just went, this is just amazing. Yes. Amazing, you know. Yes, I mean, this will sound like a stupid comment coming from me to you. I remember her songs, of course, but her voice, she just was very gifted, just purely as a singer, never mind the more important thing, the words and the, and the music and the arrangements. But she just had a powerful voice as well, didn't she? Incredible. But she went to singing lessons, actually, which I don't think is any harm to say, Yeah, uh, with a very renowned vocal coach in Dublin, uh, whose name I forget. Um, so she took it seriously, you know, um, the vocal. Yeah. Uh, and yes, yes, she had a voice that, um, I mean, jumping ahead, if I may. Yes, uh, I was with Sinead, and we were mooching around London, and we were looking for something to smoke. Uh, and we had no success so far. So I had the bright idea. I said, let's go around to Shane's. So, you know, he's bound to have something to smoke. <laughs> so 
we went round there to Shane and Victoria's place in King's Cross, not exactly the most sublime area. Uh, and Shane, bless his heart, had everything. Yes. But nothing to smoke. Um, <laughs> and that's how Shane and Sinead met. Yes, right. And then later on, they did this incredible record, Haunted, where Shane's gnarly voice is sort of embraced by the voice of an angel. It's incredible. Yeah, another of her songs that comes to my mind as we're talking is Nothing Compares to You. Right. Well, Faulkner, her manager, Faulkner O'Kelly, yes. came round to my, uh, my flat and said, look, uh, and he told me what the plan was to record that song. And I I'm a, I'm a, was then and still am, God forgive me, a Prince nutter. I love Prince. You know, uh, he's infallible. No, he's not, right? Okay. Yes. Um, and Faulkner said, we're going to do this song, Nothing Compares to You. And it was done uh, by the family who were an offshoot of Prince's producing. And I had the album and I knew the song, but I didn't have the vision that Faulkner had in seeing what could happen here. A very visionary thingy. Again, to come back to her legacy in terms of the songs she had and the songs she wrote and the whole merging, if you like, of her passion for social causes with her greatness as a musician. I don't think it's too much to say that she was a great singer and that anything she sang she would enhance enormously and give a depth and meaning to it that nobody else could do. Well, I don't think there's probably, I think I say by mean, uh, that there isn't a, a female singer in the world of any use who hasn't listened to Sinead O'Connor records. Yes. You know, her, her footprint is enormous. Enormous. Uh, and again, like Shane, she did it her way. Uh, and when she thought something, she told people. She didn't, you know, she didn't make it nice, 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 what most people do, you know. Yes, indeed. Um, she was honest. She wasn't, it seemed often, happy in the conventional sense of that word. And there was a, a kind of relationship she had with the late Gay Byrne. She often went on the Late Late Show when Gay was producing and presenting it. And there seemed to be a, a rapport between them. I wonder why. There, there, there was. There was a rapport. Because uh, he was a sort of uncle figure or something, I suppose. Yes. Uh, also, he, he kind of, I think he fancied her. Yes. Which is fair enough. She was a very beautiful woman. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And she played along with it, you know. And yes. then, but really, if you look at it now in the cold light of day, you know, you could turn around if you were sort of bitter type of person and say, oh, he's very patronizing, isn't he? The two of them are having a laugh on television, for yes. God's sake, you know, uh, and did it several times, and that's fine, you know. Um, you're asking about the songwriting. Uh, uh, a song like This Is The Last Day Of Our Acquaintance, which is talking about the breakup of a relationship. Yes. When she went into Nigel Grange with that album, he said, I can't put this out. It's like a diary, you know. Yes. And that's the whole point of it. You know, someone opens their heart and, and tells you what they think, you know. Yeah. I'm Stretched On Your Grave. Oh, fantastic. A great song of hers, wasn't it? Fantastic, with incredible 
fiddle playing on it by Steve Wickham, uh, who's actually on my next album. Uh, he plays with the Waterboys, and he's a beautiful guy. I'm Stretch Your a Grave is fantastic, because what she did is she put this song over a funky drummer, drum beat loop, you know, James yes. Brown funky drummer. Uh, but she didn't get permission. Uh, and I think she had to pay James Brown like 50 grand or something. Yes. And I suspect that Clive Stubblefield, who was the drummer, didn't get a cent out of that, you know. Let me finish this conversation, Beep, by asking you about both Shane and Sinead and Irish singers, musicians in general. Is there something unique that sets them apart? from their contemporaries elsewhere? Well, there's some people, there's some people who are inordinately special, uh, and then there's other ones, you know, like, um, well, I don't want to be unkind. No, you know, don't be. <laughs> but, but some people just have it, you know, yes. like Prince, you know. Yes. Now, not Madonna, because she, she, she worked this thing. It's, not, it's a creation. Sinead wasn't a creation. It was just full-on here I am, and if you don't like it, tough, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then again, she also, a lot of the songs are so funny, you know. There's a great song called Daddy, I'm Fine. And the lines are not exactly what I'm about to say, but loosely, which is, I want to go and fuck every guy in sight. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, there you are. Why yeah. not, you know, let the sheep loose. And of course, we'll have a special reason to think about Sinead O'Connor and Shane McGowan uh, this Christmas. And we're extremely grateful, as always, to Beefy Fallon, who really does know more about music <laughs> than anyone Thank else you. in this country. And Thank it's you. such a delight to have him. And remember two great Irish artists who passed, sadly, uh, this year. So we're very grateful to BP Fallon. Can I just say something yes, before of course. I yes. waft into the ozone? I'd like to say... God bless Sinead O'Connor and God bless Shane McGowan and God bless anyone who's gone ahead of us and God bless us all. Amen. Amen, Dumphy. Thank you very much, Beep. It's always a pleasure. Have a happy festive season. And to all our listeners, thank you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 